The Youthscape Podcast. Welcome to the Youthscape Podcast with uh, myself, Martin Saunders, and my esteemed colleague, Rachel Gardner. Yay! I'm so excited to be here at the podcast. Well, I thought I said to Martin, let's open this as if we're at our most favourite gig ever. So he does this really like boring intro, and I'm like, yeah, I'm at my most favourite gig what ever. What is your most favourite gig ever? I have not been and seen a Beyonce gig, but I imagine she would be amazing. That can't be your favourite gig. What is your favourite gig okay, that you've actually right, been to? Not your favourite to... imagined gig. I, I it's because I can't remember her name. La la da 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 da. La 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 la. What's her name? Dino? Dino? Dino. Dino. Dido. 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 Well, this, yeah. I tell you what, this is staying in. This is gold. Dido. Obviously, I go to many very cool gigs at the Camden Roundhouse. Obviously. Dido, who stopped recording, what, 2005? Many, many years ago. But okay. I remember her coming back and doing a gig in oh, about did you 2006. Go to that? Yes, I did. Right. And it was great. And she pointed out like the corner of the of the of the bar where she had her first kiss and the corner of the bar where she had her heartbroken and where she wrote certain songs. So it felt like actually I was seriously in fanland. I'm not a genuine fan, but I really felt actually I'm here at the gig where people that really love this woman are there. Don't, don't say you're not a genuine fan <laughs> of Dino. Wasn't that the Flintstones pet? <laughs> Okay. Anyway. Yeah, mine was Nebworth, 1996. Oh, you're just cool. Yeah. Oh, did, were you at that? No, I wasn't born. I then. bet at least ten of the people listening to this were at Nebworth. Wherever I, I go, I go. Oh yeah, best yeah. gig I went to is Nebworth. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I went to that. Fantastic. I'm like, well, that's ruined my story. You've been Fantastic. there as well. That's oh, less good now. Oh. Oh. Anyway, talking about trying to be super cool. Yeah. I think within the youth ministry, because I'm, I'm actually genuinely quite embarrassed right now. I can feel a very thin. Thing of sweat that's broken out of my body. What well, like, image for us all? I'm actually not. I'm not very cool, and I do sometimes fall into the trap. Martin, I don't know if you ever do, but I do sometimes fall into the trap of when I introduce myself, particularly in youth work settings, as a youth worker. I find I really sometimes jump, and I want to qualify. Yeah, I work with the really tough kids. Uh, yeah, mm. what really difficult, and it's it's almost like this little trend sometimes that we have to kind of qualify how good and how serious a youth worker we are by how challenging our kids are. Mm. And I've I've had a fair change of heart recently. I think sometimes the most challenging, hardest to reach young people are not the ones that I would always think mm. are the hardest to reach. But yeah, I mean, I've never had that problem <laughs> coming from Surrey, so I, <laughs> no one's ever going to take me seriously if I say I work with the hardest to reach young people. Can I also say that you are definitely challenging whether people take you seriously because the day, dear listeners. My Martin is wearing a t-shirt underneath the check shirt. And the check shirt, get this, is open. Yeah. Fully open. That's right, I'm trying out a new look. You're wafting this shirt around. Yeah, I don't know if this is a thing. <laughs> you know, know. when you, you dress and you think, oh, is this actually how yeah. other humans dress? I don't know. I'm not sure it is. Do you think it's youth workers that work with tough young people dress like that? This is definitely not how Urban. youth workers who Urban. work with tough young people but dress. But it's a good question, though, around language, isn't it? Because I, I remember when I first did Romance Academy, No Sex Please with Teenagers, and working with young people who had completely different experiences to I have when I was growing up. I was yeah. working with young people who were incredibly sexually active, age 15, 16, using quite a lot of um, substances. And I, I remember a few times thinking, gosh, I was so sheltered as a teenager. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't understand this world, so can I connect with them? And over the many years that I've been not a very cool youth worker that goes to Dido concerts, I've realised that the thing that breaks down barriers is love. And that can sound incredibly cheesy and like, mm. oh, you, you would say that because you're not very good at connecting with culture. But actually, nothing melts barriers like love does. And oh. so I, but I, I've got... A, it might I feel be... quite touched <laughs> by that. Nothing melts barriers like love does. Is that a Dido song? It might... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's what her and Eminem, Eminem rapped that. No, right, okay. <laughs> it's a good point though, isn't it? I'm, to be honest, I was trying to listen to what you said, but I'm, I'm struggling with whether Nebworth was in 1997 <laughs> now. I feel like someone's going to call me out on it. No, I, I was listening so. to you. And, and, and um, it, it's a challenge, yeah. the whole issue of like whether... We talked about this a, a few weeks ago, about whether... Um, young people need you mm. to relate to them and their culture to be, for you one. to be a good it's youth worker. It's a tough worker. one. Because I think if, if you are living in denial that there's a culture that young people are inhabiting and you're deliberately thinking it doesn't matter, then I think that's nuts, that's ridiculous. I think if you have to be uh, totally consumed in that culture to be able to have any conversation of any authenticity, I would say that out the other end probably isn't right. But somewhere in the middle... There has to be a sense that we've got to get where young people are coming from and the language that they're using and what that means for them. And Rach, we've got an exciting interview in a moment. Mm. I want to ask you a question, though. Um, when you were a young person, we do, do, I know we do this too often. Know, we we spend too much time in our youth, don't we? Um, but, but when you were a young person, did you have a favourite word or youth culture phrase that you used as a teenager growing up? I'll give you some time to think about it because I was a massive fan, much probably into my 20s, of the, fan, of, the, of the word wicked. Oh. You say wicked all the time. Did you? People be like, oh, you know, let's go to the gig. I'll be like, wicked. Did you? All the time. <laughs> Martin, do you, want some, uh, do you want some pasta for dinner? Wicked. Oh, I, I mean, I don't Always. think I did, but I think I remember my mum and dad thinking they were very cool by, what is this wicked? And wicked is bad. I don't know. I don't know if I used it, though. Did you have a, did you have Maybe a word? Maybe it's that... wick. Maybe that's Wick. what said. Wickedy, wickedy, whack. Wickedy, moo. Uh, no, I don't think I had any cool words. I remember. I don't that, remember, I was the teenage girl raiding the school costume cupboard for long dresses with big petticoats underneath, so I could walk across the moors in Yorkshire and channel Catherine Earnshaw from Wuthering Heights. I just don't remember. Know, I don't know I what box to put you in sometimes. <laughs> that's wild. So how the word wicked fits in there? Unless it had some you know, legitimate nineteenth-century connection, <laughs> I wasn't interested. Obviously. <laughs> well, on, on that note, yes, um, we why don't you introduce the, uh, <laughs> yes. the guest? So, um, I've recently been uh, making some new friends in Birmingham. We're going to be hosting our National Youth Ministry Weekend there. Are you booked on? Um, and there's this fantastic guy that I've met called Nathan Dennis, who's a bit of an entrepreneur, actually. He is a youth specialist he works with young people particularly um from gang culture urban environments and we just said to nathan tell us what is going on what do you see what is the impact that you're seeing the church can make with these young people the escape podcast so nathan brummy boy birmingham is that is that where you hail from and that's where, that's where you're living and working now isn't it but are you from birmingham originally Yes, yeah, so Birmingham, um, born and bred um, a Brome, uh, from Birmingham, um, been living here all my life for the 36 years of my life. I've always been in Birmingham. Fantastic. And, and always been involved with youth work? Is that, has that been something that you've been involved with since you were knee high to a grasshopper? Or? No, no, no. I probably came into youth work about 2005. Um, I didn't really have... Um, I didn't really have no passion really for youth work like that. I was just doing my thing. Um, when I became a born again Christian, um, um, something was basically ignited in me a passion to try and reach youth, talk to youth, engage with youth. Um, and now just, I've created an organization. So my first kind of um, experience into youth work was creating my own organization because I was sick to death with all the negative um, stereotypes of black youth. 
Yeah. Um, I grew up in inner city, um, kind of environment where there's a lot of violence, youth violence, gang culture, yeah. and that kind of stuff. And um, I was just really sick to death of just the negative stereotypes. So I decided to create an organization called First Class Youth. Yeah. Um, that really was trying to push a message around empowerment, around hope, around the fact that we could be first class, regardless if it was working class, upper class, okay. lower class, that we could just be first class individuals. Um, so I started to do that. Um, and during the time of setting up the organization, I had a massive transformation of heart and mind um, where, where um, I attended this church by invite, wasn't interested in Christ or Christianity. I thought it was a big joke, to be quite honest. Um, and I went to this service the week before my, my first daughter's christening. Um, and all I can say is that I was touched in this service. Um, the lifestyle I was living behind the scenes was was very bad. Um, I was I was dealing drugs and stuff like that within communities. Um, I was a, a quite a violent young person, um, but I was just overwhelmed by this love, which I started to understand is the love of God um, through Christ. Um, and then that ignited a passion, and then it really underpinned my work with First Class Youth. Um, and I started to do a lot of contracts with public sector, yeah. like the, the local Birmingham City Council, around helping them engage with antisocial youth, um, those who are on the fringes of get, joining gangs. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of Brilliant. how I got into youth, Brilliant. where it was just kind of like by accident, almost like... I mean, that's an incredible story, Nathan, that you're someone who has experienced a lot of what the young people you're working with now have been through. But you yeah. also had that real activist heart from very young, setting up First Class Legacy, and then God taking that and just adding so much more power and insight into that. And so you are a, a, a sort of youth specialist in terms of engaging with public sector, engaging it's, with... It's just yeah. a lot. So that was the early days, 2005. Yeah. Um, 2011, had to close the organisation, change of government, Labour government, um, lost the seat of power. Then we had massive cuts in 2011, Conservatives came into power and the acts fell. And, and a lot of contracts we were doing at the time was with public sector organisations um, and housing associations around resident involvement, antisocial behaviour work, doing a lot of work for police as well, helping them with young people, troubled youth. But a lot of budget um, changed overnight. So I had to start to think creatively. I went and started to do some work with a charity in Birmingham called Bringing Hope, um, which led me into prisons, um, doing a lot of prison ministry, um, delivering a program called the Damascus Road Program, which is a 13-week program that deals with men, deals with masculinity, deals with trying to unlock the treasures. It's about hope, empowerment, trying to encourage men to say that they are they are worth something, that you know their life matters, that even though they're in prison, um, and I share my story. And what's, what was powerful about those experiences, I'm not in prison as much as I used to be. But through those three years, I started to realize what we call the um, divine authority of God, of Christ, in terms of... Um, I used to go into very dark, very heavy atmospheres, and I would feel God literally show up in the room, mm. show up in the, the sessions with the lads. Guys who the prison couldn't control were, were starting to just... You know, be, be very humble. Um, the, I've seen men who are feared in the streets cry their eyes out. I've seen many of the clients that I was working with were, were Muslim youth, um, which was interesting. Probably 93% of the men that I was working yeah. with Afro, from Afro-Caribbean background were probably converts to Islam or 
um, just became Muslim through prison system. Yeah. But I've seen how the love of God was able to transcend past um, religious barriers and, and melt men's hearts who the prison system couldn't cope with. Wow. And so that was a powerful learning experience. And then during that experience, I felt God saying to me, look, you need to become more strategic. You need to develop something that when these men come out of prison, you have a business that can employ them. Yeah, um, so I stepped away from that type of work, which was a bit of a challenge because I do love it. But I felt like I needed to be, get to another level in my life um, around developing a business and an infrastructure that can, when they come out through the gate, they have something mm. that can catch them. I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to be the answer to it, but making them partnerships mm. to do that. Um, so I've been doing a lot of consultancy work, kind of work, um, working with different bodies, just giving ideas around how do you effectively engage what they class as hard to reach communities. So, I mean, is that is the church one of the um, bodies that can actually receive these these men as they come out of prison and, and need somewhere to land that's not just going to send them back in again? Yes. So what we did, and this is where it gets difficult, and I think this might help the podcast. During my three years experience, one of the things I initiated was a Bringing Hope Roadshow. So what I would do is we contacted, say, 100 Afro-Caribbean or black majority churches and even other denominations and says, look, can we come into your church to do a presentation about the work we're doing? Because what we want to um, create within your team is like a, um, a support team that consists of a mentor, um, a counsellor, someone that's a friend that can meet the people through the gates. Because I've seen a successful model by an organisation called Caring for Ex-Offenders in London. So I think about three years ago, I went to a conference in London, um, a Christian organisation who had this powerful model where they had teams of five individuals in local churches that would meet prisoners through the gate. I tried to establish that within Birmingham. It wasn't successful. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a proper, for me, from my perspective, there's a problem around power and control for me in, in churches and from what I see from a black majority church perspective where even though we are, we are preaching the same gospel, there's not enough um, relationship building, I believe, where, where people are like having enough forums where they can dialogue and share ideas and strategies. So you find that everyone's kind of in silos trying to do the best thing that they can do. Yeah. Um, so I, I do find when working with churches, it's very difficult because um, some churches use things like protocol or who's your leadership or where you're coming from or yeah. there's a lot of you guys probably I don't know if you have it in your networks of churches but I find it difficult I find like I get more joy and more fruits when I'm working within like secular environments to be how honest does that, how does that make you feel yeah. Nathan because you're obviously a, a, a strong Christian and you've talked very passionately about your own faith how frustrating uh, must that be yeah, I went. I did go. I, I went through a season probably for two years. I was very angry. <clears throat> I was. I, I went through like anger. I went through like guys. Can't you see like this is for me? It's vital because what I'm what I'm trying to say is I'm advocating for people that were just like me, type of thing. And I felt like no one was listening. And I felt like you know the church was just doing business as usual, clapping our hands on a Sunday, singing worship songs, but not necessarily doing the real practical helping people through life, not just in the criminal justice setting, just in any setting. And I went through anger, but I just had to go through a perspective where I just had to just practice this unconditional love and just love the church regardless wow. uh, and just humble myself. So one of the decisions I made, it says, I'm going to humble myself and just serve it with my local ministry 
um, support my bishop, support the leadership. So I, I serve now in my church um, as a deputy youth leader, stroke pastor um, within my church. And I just serve, I'm just consistently there for the young people um, to serve, to support them and to love them. And where, where I get called, where my bishop needs me to respond to things, let us do it. And, and I do that for the, for the just, just not because I'm trying to keep the peace, but I just feel like that's important to be able to have leadership, have covering and, and serve. And I just believe that God in his time, his wisdom, in his, in his timing, will just open up the doors at the right time and connect me with the right people. Yeah. Nathan, you are an outstanding leader. And I, I know that from meeting you and also from chatting to other leaders, particularly in the Birmingham area. But um, you and I first connected around the losing heart research that we've done here at Youthscape and about the crisis narrative, like young people are leaving churches, um, the, the topics that young people want to talk about, churches aren't talking about. And you and I had a really interesting conversation about that. And uh, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about um, the black majority church, the church networks that you engage with. What's the story about youth ministry? Okay, so what happened um, since I got the report? So probably about a month ago now, three to four weeks ago, mm. um, I was asked to invite her on um, national conference convention. Yeah. Um, and what I did, I'd done a presentation, and what I thought the report did for me was it it was it, it allowed me to underpin some of the thoughts that I had anyway around how we do youth service and how we respond to young people within the church. Yeah. Uh, so I shared that with, with the leaders that were there to say, look, this is some important reading. There's another report I, I shared, which was um, a report about the dangers of um, social media and how it can uh, perpetrate or encourage youth violence through social media. But when I, when I was talking about your report, Losing Heart, I was kind of saying to the church network that, look, we need to start to listen to young people's voices. Because I think what happens is that there's a culture where it's always like those who have been there for years have, have, have made decisions and led on projects. But I feel like the youth voice has sometimes not been heard. And I've felt that in terms of when I'm working with young people, young people want to talk about stuff like sex. They want to talk about things like social media, want to talk about things like identity, especially within a black community context. You, you see massive international movements like um, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Yes. We, want to, we want to talk about that. We want to express ourselves. We want to talk about how it, how it makes us feel when we see um, black men being killed yeah. in the streets on video by um, law abiding, you know, law enforcement officers. But sometimes the church doesn't have that space to have that dialogue because we're just kind of focused on it has to be the message of the gospel of Jesus, which is a vital and important message. But sometimes if you don't have that holistic approach, that wraparound approach that's connecting with the issues and the challenges that young people are facing today, mm. we lose them. And that's why I'm, I'm campaigning behind the scenes. Um, I piloted a project called um, Safe and Smart Generation, which is about social media. And I'm trying to encourage my church to say we need to we need to sometimes stop having church and let's have a dialogue about social media. Mm. So in, in my presentation, I was talking about Snapchat, mm. talking about Periscope, and just talking about Facebook and Instagram and talking about how I am seeing this affect young people's confidence in terms of mm. this peer pressure. They call it FUMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. Like if young people are not posting about the, the the latest trainers they're wearing or the last holiday they went on or the latest clothes they're wearing or the the, the latest makeup they've just put on or bought yeah. they feel like they're missing out and like they they don't have the, their sense of self-worth and value is through 
posting achievements. So what happens then is that when a young person is struggling with life, it could be through emotional struggle or spiritual struggle, they don't feel they can share it because everyone seems like they're winning constantly yeah. on social media. Everyone shows their best pictures. So I want to talk to the church about that in terms of how do we um, how do we how do we look at that as an, an issue that young people are going through and what does the gospel say about it for making it practical and very relevant. Really, so I think there's a lot of work to be done, man. It's, that's it's, really interesting stuff, Nathan. And and I guess you know the immediate question is what on earth is the response to that like what 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 do we say to our young people you you've identified probably the most um significant big new trend in youth culture over the last 10 years and the way that young people engage with social media and and really base their sense of self-worth on on how uh, other people are liking or sharing or responding interacting with their posts what on earth what do we do? Like, what does the average youth worker do to enable a young person to thrive in that in that environment? Something powerful that my wife's doing, and she's doing an um, initiative called Kitchen Table Talks. We've we've purposely not done it in churches. We, so we rent cafes, cafe spaces. Uh, my wife's a baker, so she bakes loads of cakes. So one of the things that my wife was doing the other um, a few months ago, or about a month ago, at one of the sessions. Was, was empowering young people to say that you are a VIP. And when we look at scripture, you know, the word says we are wonderfully and fearfully made. Mm-hmm. So one of the things is about empowering them about their self-worth. Yeah. So that's what we can do is about empowering that. But we need to, like, have those discussions that's connecting to, you know, the common culture. Yeah. And even language. Language is an important thing. So, for instance, in Afro-Caribbean culture or in urban youth culture, some of the words like um, painting, peng, you're, you're looking peng you are. You're, you're looking peng you um, are. Oh, that's a long thing. Oh, that's yeah. dead. There's different words or wagwan or what's happening. It's about trying to understand what are some of the wordings that young people are using. So, for instance, everyone talks about, yeah, that's lit, man. So, that's saying everything looks great. That's amazing. Yeah. That's lit. How can we talk about the fact that, because they're using the word lit, which is abbreviation for light. Yeah. How can you say that Christ was lit? Christ is lit, you know. Do you know that you know, yeah. Christ is actually paying about how do we change some of how we're communicating yeah. to make it relevant? Because that's what Christ did is he used parables, but we have to use the language of the day to engage with you. I totally love that. And I absolutely, that is such a good challenge, isn't it? That we understand the young people we're working with and their language and their way of speaking. Nathan, we're going to have to cut the interview there because we've run out of time. But I am so excited to say that you're going to be with us at the National Youth Ministry Weekend, which is so exciting, and chatting more with us around male identity, masculinity, in a bit of a late-night chat. So, I think that what we have to do, and I think this is just the start of many conversations, what we have to do is really invest in quality time with each other first yeah. and to build a relationship. Because God's love is beyond culture and race. But the, the problem is we're, we're kind of recreating the, re- the cycles so we put on events, we put on conferences, and then when you look at the lineup, it looks one particular race or culture, or there's probably one or two people from different cultures. Yeah. What we have to do is behind the scenes before events is that we have to invest in each other, is that we have to spend time with each other, that we have to minister to each other, yeah. almost like how Jesus moved and rolled, how young people say, with the disciples, because that's how we're going to break it. It's not just because sometimes I think. Christian leadership are only coming together because it's, yeah. it's, it's about a mission trip yeah, or it's about event. events. Yeah, yeah. We have to 
best in relationships. So that's a key thing. Oh, that's amazing. That Mason. is amazing. Yeah, we're right with you on that. Thank and thank you so much for coming on this journey with us as well as we explore these topics. Bless you, Nathan. God bless you. God bless you. God bless everybody that's listening as well. Take care. The Youthscape Podcast. So I am uh, excited <laughs> to hear that our word game has not been in vain. No, he names over those words. And apparently you, yeah. we need to know what those words mean. I know. And I, I fear I should have been remembering what they mean. Although from, I, I do. I mean, I, I absolutely love this guy, Nathan. I think he is so brilliant. But I just know that if I stood there using those words. Fresh crepes. Oh, it would just, they, they, yeah, they would just laugh me out of Birmingham. They'd laugh me out of my church youth group. So I do try sometimes to sound cool. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Nathan doesn't work. What does peng mean? I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. We, did he um, say Jesus is peng? Or he have did, I just said something And the brilliant offensive? thing was that while we were interviewing him, we both were like going, mmm, mmm. And <laughs> yeah, we could just yeah. tell that both was like, oh, great, Nathan. Because we had no idea what you were oh, saying. Dear. But um, brilliant. Okay, so let's find out what our word is. Oh, and you're going to play the word, Maybe challenge. I think we should get Nathan the phone so in the gap i might call him and word, tell him what word, the word is word 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 today's word is savage like savage right well today's... now this is this is really challenging because <laughs> yeah. this is the first word we've encountered that my own 11 year old son <gasps> has come back using, using. has come back oh. from school and they in surrey yeah in surrey oh my on goodness. the mean streets so this this word is out there everywhere yeah it's in surrey it's it's been around for a while and it's filtered through yeah so it's been around for a few generations i reckon it's an older slang what like an oldie worldie do you think we all walk <laughs> around in like Doublets I think it might things. take a while for stuff that's super cool in Birmingham to get out to Surrey. I do. It's not Shakespeare country. <laughs> and there is such a thing as Tinternet. Anyway, right, let's choose. Um, Rachel is saying, come on. So shall I tell you what I think so, it, yeah, what it on, means? So the other word that they mm. use quite a lot in, um, uh, uh, in sort of uh, companion with this is okay. roasted. Oh. And, uh, and it's all about sort of when you've... Um, uh, laughed at, made fun of okay. uh, a, a, a peer. Okay, yeah. Uh, and so you might give someone a savage roasting. And so savage is like a... Um, if I get this wrong, this is terrible, isn't it? But it's it's like... It's really, It's really when you serious. give someone a really bad put down. Okay. So I think that's what it is. I think it's when you've absolutely yeah. given someone a, so I think, a savage yeah. put down. I think you're right. I think it's, it's well, kind of a loaded... No, I think it's like significant. So I think well, you're giving it savage, as in... It's a, it's a word that gives emphasis as opposed to meaning. Okay. Ooh. Oh, look at you. Oh, right. You're yeah. like a student of we've, a language all of a sudden. We've got into layers of youth culture right now. So I think it's significant, not meaning. So, savage means it's harsh, like, it's not a very nice thing to say, really. Can't believe you said that, that's well savage. Well, I had I had something of a clue, Ooh, but at least son. I didn't no, betray my own child. You did it, that is fantastic, you got it. I think, I think let's, let's give that to you, Martin. Lars, I'm receiving it. Yeah, it's coming your way, there yes. we go. So, Nathan is proud of us, we're proud of ourselves. Yeah. Did you get that, listener? Has that word filtered through to where you live? Was that the easy week? 
Was Essentially, that, that, I think that was the easy. Is that the easy one? Yeah. It's now a you've given me a pity victory. At that <laughs> I love it. That's it's brilliant. it's decreased in 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 size as we before our eyes. Brilliant. Okay, and the wonderful thing is that Nathan is going to be one of our guest speakers at the weekend, speaking a bit more specifically around the whole area of young people and gangs. We're going to have a late night debate about it. So please come and please be there. It'll be fantastic. Yes, you can find out all about the National Youth Ministry Weekend at youthscape.co.uk/nymw. Yeah, I know a lot of people are struggling with the order of those four I, letters. I don't get them right. I have to keep changing. And the other one is Southwest Youth Ministries. That's difficult. So the also. two together, I'm just like. But what, that's what swim. Is... At least that's kind of a word. Yeah. Was What's our... a swim? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe we Before we go, <laughs> do you think we should brand it? Come, come to Come So, so. The thing we've forgotten to do was to say hello to some of our friends. Oh, yes. And, I, and it's a special week because I want to add someone in. <gasps> so we've got Ollie Deeks. Hello to Ollie Deeks. Yeah. We've got uh, Professor, Professor Dr. Reverend Len Cagler. Oh, we love you, Len. In his car. Uh, and the students of Nyack College mm. uh, in New York. And also, I want to add one. I would like to add this week, Mrs. Vicky Piggott-Gen. Oh! Hello. Woo! Hello to you. I'm going to call you super fan, you Vicky Piggott-Gen, because you got in touch yeah. And you came on the podcast. Yes, we interviewed And you're her. often in touch, and we love that. So thank you so much for your continued support. You get a hello. Um, yeah. And uh, do get in touch with us if you'd like to. You can do that uh, via email, mm-hmm. uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk, or you can just uh, find us on Twitter at youthscape. Or you can just turn up. We have a car park. We are right next to a train station in Luton. So come and say hi. We were what here a, for What you. a sales pitch that was. We We've a got a car park <laughs> next to a train station. You can tell I live in a terrace house in North London. Like, we've got, we've got car parking, everybody. <laughs> we've got space. So brilliant. Have a great, great week. And we will tune in to you. No, you will tune <laughs> in to <laughs> us. That was so smooth. <laughs> we will tune in to you. Next week. We love you lots. Bye. The Youthscape podcast is free and always will be. But if you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash youthscape.